Hi, this is Robert Cunningham, pastor of Preaching and Vision at Tate's Creek Presbyterian Church. We want to thank you for listening to this resource, and we hope and pray it will be a blessing to you. One quick word, though, before you listen. While we are honored to be a resource for you, we do want you to know that an online sermon is no substitute for congregational life. It's a good supplement, but what you need more than anything else is membership and involvement in a local church. If you are not a member of TCPC, I want you to know that listening to your pastor is far more valuable than listening to this. If you are a member of TCPC, I want you to know that joining us in worship on Sunday is far more valuable than listening online. So to everyone, we are encouraged that you have sought us out, but much more encouraging would be for you to seek out a local church community. That said, thanks for listening, and may God now bless you as you do. I want to thank everyone once again this year for allowing me to uh, retreat for the month of July. Uh, I don't take that for granted. I um, feel very loved by a congregation that prioritizes um, that part of my yearly rhythm. I, I do want you to know it goes so far in uh, sustaining me and proactively preventing uh, the um, tragically all too common pastoral burnout phenomenon. I always gauge by I always gauge how I'm doing by the end of July, not the beginning of July. If you ask me how I'm doing when I'm leaving for July, um, that's not a good answer. So I'm always interested in how do I feel returning. Um, if if I'm dreading getting back to Lexington, getting back to this pulpit, getting back to ministry, that's never a good sign. Uh, but that uh, has never happened, and this year. More than ever, I found myself enthusiastic uh, to return to ministry, to return to this pulpit, this church I love. I, I love this church. I love this calling. And I just want you to know it's uh, you as members of this community that make this such a special place to labor. Will would say that. Mark would say that. We would all say that. Uh, this is a special place. So many of you have asked um, how I'm feeling. Do I feel rested, renewed? And the answer is absolutely not. Um, I'm exhausted. Um, if you know my family, you know that I did not just take a vacation. I just basically um, went into a month of chaos. But it's good for the soul. So the soul is good, the body is tired, and that's, that's okay. I can handle that. The other way around is not good. Um, like I said, we're returning to the book of Acts. But first, I wanted to bring a word from a passage that um, I found myself pondering quite a bit. Uh, again, not a well-known passage. Uh, maybe as I read that, this is the first time you may have uh, heard it. Um, but I think it speaks well to what's on my heart for our congregation in this moment. Last week, uh, Mac preached uh, a fantastic sermon, and I just, man, it, it was just so good for my soul to see him up here preaching um, just could not be more um, proud of him and, and, and love what the Lord's doing in his life and what the Lord will be doing in, through him. But um, preached an amazing sermon to us that spoke to us individually with the word of comfort. And I want to follow that up by expanding things um, way out with a word to us uh, globally even. One might say even historically. My intuition... Uh, pastoral intuition, for whatever it's worth, tells me uh, that we desperately need God's word to shape 
how we are moving forward in this moment, for God's word to bring order to the chaos, a much-needed perspective to where we find ourselves. Where is God, after all? Seriously, where is God? What is he up to? How many times must God's people plead, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, before God's kingdom comes and his will is done? And if that is happening, if God is answering that prayer of his church, why doesn't it look like it? I could tell you what scripture teaches. Um, I can tell you the theology that the arc of history is uh, the coming of God's kingdom, a kingdom that was illustrated in the Old Testament, inaugurated with the first coming of Jesus, consummated with the second coming of Jesus. I can teach the lesson. I could teach the theology. But when we hold up that theology, when we hold up that promise to our experience, is that what is really unfolding around us? Is this what thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven looks like? This is the dilemma I want to speak to this morning. A much needed dose of perspective and encouragement as we try to faithfully move forward in hope while If we are honest with ourselves, the world feels so hopeless. Look at verse 26 and 29. He said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. And then in 29, but when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. There's a little parable by Jesus, and it's th- th- those verses represent the bookends of this thing we call the kingdom of God. The first and second comings of Jesus. He comes... And says the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is present with me. And what, what he essentially does is he scatters the seed of the kingdom, which initiates the growth of the kingdom. And then he will return to reap the harvest when the kingdom growth is ripe. So 26 is the coming of Jesus. 29 is the return of Jesus. 27 and 28 are where we find ourselves. Amid the growth of God's kingdom. And what Jesus communicates in these verses is the nature of that growth. And it's the nature of the growth of God's kingdom that is the perspective I want us to have this morning. And it's an unconventional picture. What we will see, and these are my two main points, is a kingdom that grows beyond our conception and beyond our control. So when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to what God is doing in this world, when it comes to trying to figure out how this is all going to work out, there are two things. We have to surrender that the kingdom will, be, will grow beyond our conception and beyond our control. Beyond our conception. So verse 26, the seeds of the kingdom are spread. Now look at verse 27. He sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. So Jesus is teaching on the kingdom in context, and the point of this parable is to inform us of the nature of the kingdom's growth. And what Jesus essentially says is you're not going to be understand, be able to understand the nature of growth. So the first thing we need to know about the coming of God's kingdom is that we know not how thy kingdom comes. I don't know if you expect to understand the ways of God, to comprehend his design and strategies in our world, 
to grasp the, the intricacies of the story that he is writing in our history. I don't know if this is what you expect, but you need to know those are vain expectations. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments. You cannot search out the judgments of God. How inscrutable are his ways. You cannot scrutinize the ways of God. You cannot put them under a microscope to understand them. For who has known the mind of the Lord, who has been his counselor? The farmer in our text knows one thing. It is happening. The kingdom is growing. Beyond that, it says explicitly, he knows not how. Here is what this means for the Christian, for followers of Jesus. We are assured of the macro. The kingdom is advancing. We know not the micro, how the kingdom is advancing. And we simply have to be okay with that. If your expectation of God's providence is intelligibility, then God's providence will leave you confused, frustrated, maybe even infuriated. Perhaps the most common questions I get as a pastor are within the realm of understanding that all-elusive question, why? Now, it must be said that I only get that question, I only get the why question, when things don't go as we think they should go. But that seems to happen a lot, doesn't it? We only ask why when God's ways are not our ways. But Scripture has promised us that God's ways are not our ways. So we ask why a lot. I understand the question. I've asked it many times myself. It's a good question. It's often the most vulnerable and honest we will ever be, which is a good thing. It's okay to be honest with God. But are you okay with a God who is honest with you and says, it's not for you to know? Why? Why doesn't God give us the gift of understanding? Do we, I mean, wouldn't you say, Lord, if you would just explain this, the world, my life, my family, my circumstance, if you would just give me understanding, I could endure. Why not just let us in on how thy kingdom comes? Honest answer, he can't. Even if God wanted to let us in on the counsel of his kingdom, it would be futile. It's not just that we don't understand, we can't understand. You need an infinite mind to understand the infinite complexities of God's ways, which means only God can understand God. To ask him for what belongs to him is to ask him for omniscience, and I'm sorry, you will never be that. To expect to know is to expect knowledge that does not belong to us, but to God alone. So the first thing we need to be reminded of right now more than ever is are you comfortable with thy kingdom comes beyond our conception? But not just our conception, next beyond our control. Now look at verse 28. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. The earth produces by itself. It's an interesting little nuance that 
Uh, Jesus adds there for emphasis intentionally. He doesn't say the earth produces first the blade, the ear, then the full grain. Jesus gives a little extra emphasis by adding the earth produces by itself the blade, ear, and so forth. There's a phrase that has become very uh, popular in evangelicalism uh, that is found nowhere in the Bible. It's the phrase building God's kingdom. I want you to know the kingdom of God has never talked about that, talked like that in Scripture. The kingdom is spoken as something that has come, is coming, something we receive, something we inherit, something that is given to us. We are citizens of the kingdom. We bear witness to the kingdom. But never ever does the Bible use presumptuous language like we are builders of God's kingdom. God is building God's kingdom. The kingdom is something that is happening and we get the honor of being invited into it to join in as instruments of what is happening. But please let us not flatter ourselves. The kingdom would be just fine without you or me. What's interesting about the parable is what is absent. Of course, we know that growth comes through the labors of the farmer, but those labors are intentionally excluded in our text. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. Well, that's not the whole story. The farmer is there all along the way, tending to the growth, but the point of the parable is that the growth on an ultimate level, and every farmer would tell you this, on an ultimate level comes outside the farmer's control. This is so important for us to internalize. We who give lip service to the sovereignty of God, but live as functional deists. As if God has removed himself from this world, it's spinning out of control, and it is upon us to fix the world. The kingdom of God is not something that you can force with your own strength, manipulate with your personality, direct and control with your talents. The kingdom of God advances beyond our control. And I just want to press in here even more with our particular context at TCPC, something about the culture of this church, for whatever reason, is uh, it does tend to attract leaders, highly educated Congregation, driven, ambitious, hardworking congregation, leaders, future leaders of our community. That's good. The Lord uses that. Just don't transfer those worldly paradigms to the kingdom of God. To convert the lost, to make wrongs right, to bring redemption and renewal, to heal the world. This requires infinitely more than you or I have on our resume. I have no doubt that you can build a resume, you can build a business, you can build a bank account, you can build a church with your own strength. We cannot grow the kingdom of God by our own strength. God grows the kingdom, not us. And so, when we look at the world that is upon us right now, through the lens of this little parable of Jesus, it doesn't yield what we want. We want to understand. Jesus says, no, it's not for you to understand. We want control. Jesus says, no, you can't control this. The kingdom of God grows beyond our conceptions and beyond our control. And there's a very simple reason why this is. It's the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of me. A kingdom that you can conceive and you can control will be more comfortable for you 
But that's about all it would accomplish. My wants, my desires, my purposes, my benefit. If we are honest with ourselves, these are the underlying ambitions and concerns that give way to our frustrations with God's ways. If we are honest with ourselves, what we're saying is, God, you're not building my kingdom, you're building your kingdom. And so the parable confronts us with this fundamental dilemma. My kingdom come, my will be done, or thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Which will it be? And I would just say um, a word to those many of you here um, are followers of Jesus and have surrendered to his kingdom and you, you, you pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done regularly. I, I, I would just, a word to uh, those who uh, would not identify themselves as followers of Jesus and citizens of his kingdom. Um, I want to suggest that essentially what your, if I, could just, if I could just summarize what your life is, the project of your life, it is a endless pursuit to build your own kingdom. A kingdom that's comfortable for you, a kingdom that fits you, a kingdom that you can understand and a kingdom that you can control. But I also want to suggest what you're probably feeling, which is it's not going very well. It's exhausting, isn't it? And the kingdom that you're trying to build for yourself continues to implode and you're running around frantically trying to maintain your kingdom. And I just want to say to you, there actually is another way. You are allowed to lay down your kingdom, follow Jesus, and embrace his kingdom, which is destined to be victorious. But to all of us, here's here's the point, the greatest point of the sermon. The question of my kingdom come, my will be done, versus thy kingdom come, thy will be done, has been answered. So I suggest you surrender to the answer. God's not going to build your kingdom. He's going to build his kingdom. And so it is just to us to get on board and surrender to what God is doing. We who have this instinctual demand for a kingdom that fits our conceptions and fits our control are to fight that instinct and surrender instead to, a God, to God's kingdom beyond our conception and control because at the end of the day, we don't have a choice. It's coming. We can rage against the way in which it is happening. We can freak out as we look at the circumstances all around us and in our world, our culture, our personal circumstances. We can freak out and say, I wouldn't do this this way. I don't understand this. I wish I could fix this. We can do all that. But at the end of the day, it's vain. His kingdom is coming. According to his conception, his control, it is coming whether we like it or not. And so we surrender. Look at the certainty of the text in 28. The earth produces by itself first blade, then ear, then full grain in the ear. When the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Never a doubt. Just a casual certainty to the text of the growth of the kingdom. It's happening. Granted, it is slow. It is progressive. It is indiscernible. It is methodical. It's not flashy or even noticeable. It's the nature of farming, and that's just the, the brief season of farming in the yearly cycle. Imagine the, the cycle of the harvest being the coming of Jesus and the return of Jesus. That is a slow growth. That is an indiscernible growth. That's a growth with days of setback and days of encouragement. 
This is the nature of the kingdom. When you don't think God is winning, he actually is winning. When you don't think God is for us, he is for us. When you feel utterly out of control, he is in control. When you feel like the world is going to hell, God is bringing heaven to the world. So it's happening. It's on us to surrender. What does that look like? Here's my application. It's twofold. A proper understanding of the kingdom that grows beyond our conception and control leads to this proper balance. Resolve and relax. What does surrender to God's kingdom look like practically seeking? This sense of resolve in all of us and would you just relax? Resolve. We labor in the ways of God's kingdom with the steadfastness knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that our labor is not in vain like the farmer in our passage who just goes about the mundane demands trusting that this will come to fruition even if the farmer can't see, understand, or know how. Everything, the smallest, just, righteous deed, the passing conversation about Jesus, the unseen act of love, everything is being used by God to bring his kingdom. Even though we can't see it, we know the growth is happening. We have a resolve about us to labor on. And we relax. We, like the farmer in our passage, go to sleep at night and just rest well knowing that the growth is happening and it's not on us to make it happen. If I could speak a word to American Christianity right now, I don't have that that platform, but if I could... It would be everyone calm down. Everyone calm down. God is on his throne. His kingdom is coming. Of course, I don't have the platform to speak to Mary Christian. I'll speak to TCPC. Everyone calm down. Turn off the news. Disconnect from social media. Give ear to scripture, not your political pundit. And calm down. A kingdom that comes according to your conception and control, freak out. Do not calm down if the kingdom comes according to your conception and your control. You have a lot of work to do. But a kingdom that comes beyond your conception and control, relax. Look, I'm not trying to patronize your life or the state of our world right now. I know you look around at the current state of things and see so many issues, so many wrongs that do need to be made right, so much pain that does need healing, so much chaos that needs to be ordered. I know you want things to be different, but the point is, so does God. You can take a nap. You can pick up a hobby. You can actually use your vacation time. You can practice the Sabbath every week. Quit living as if the way to the world's redemption, your family's redemption, your friend's redemption, your personal redemption, as if all of this lays upon your unqualified shoulders and surrender instead to the truth that it is on God's supremely qualified shoulders, out of control to you, completely in control to God. Relax. God has this. And I'll prove it. The central event, the coming of the kingdom, is the king of the kingdom, bruised and bloodied, hanging from a cross. You want to talk about beyond our conception and beyond our control. 
if you think things are helplessly bad in our day, think about that dark day when our Lord breathed his last. Circumstantially speaking, it literally could not get worse. And if you were there, you would be confused and helpless, screaming, why? Why, God? What are you doing? Or even, where are you? All the while, God was saving the world. If the cross has taught us anything, it has taught us that God does things beyond our conception and beyond our control. And if the resurrection has taught us anything, it has taught us that God knows what he's doing. God has been and God will be successful. His kingdom shall come, not according to your conception, according to his. Not according to your control, according to his. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done is happening. Resolve and relax. Let me pray. Lord, give us that proper balance. Guard us from defeatism and triumphalism and give us that blessed perspective of laboring, knowing that our labor is not in vain and also a peace, a calm that transcends understanding, knowing it is not on us, it is on you. Help us, Lord. Help us. Give us this perspective. Infuse us with hope in this day. Personally, with whatever is going on in this room, culturally, even globally, give us this perspective. And yes, Lord, we do pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, trusting that you are answering that and hasten the day of your final answer when the harvest is ripe and Jesus returns. We ask this in your name alone, Jesus. Amen.